Welcome back for week two of Sports Retorts with Hooli and the Joe. I'm Hooli. And I'm the Joe. And I'm Mary Beth Smith, and I will be your host and announcer for the episode. Today, we will answer the questions, where has Ragnar the Viking gone? Where should Dabo Swinney take his talents once the NCAA starts paying players? And who else has some hot plugs this week besides Brian Urlacher? Guys, I have a really important Type 5 of the Chuckle Hut on Tuesday at 1145... I have plans for that very specific time. Oh, I'm at a.m. It doesn't matter. I have plans for a.m. and p.m. We're doing them together. That's actually really sweet. Let's open things up with the starting lineup. The moment we've all been waiting for, the starting lineup. This week on Monday night, we all caught the NCAA National Championship. Let's hear some thoughts on that. That's right. Alabama was once again able to piss off the entire country, this time for not refusing students to attend their university, but by actually winning the title game. Yeah, I think huge upset. No one saw this coming. Oh, wait, sorry. I was looking at another story. Yeah, this is exactly what what we thought it was going to be. No one wanted it, but it's exactly what happened. No, I mean, it was like going to work. It's just like, yeah, I, I know what I got to do. I know what the drill is. Saban's going to win. He's going to drink a Dr. Pepper presented by AT&T and then go back to being the highest paid public employee in the state. I think we even said week one that Alabama's rule of NCAA football was making it totally boring. And I think we've seen that come to fruition a week later. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I mean, it was 14-14 at half. And then Alabama just kind of blew the doors off of it. Yeah, they just lulled Clemson into this little false sense of security. I feel like there's animals in the animal kingdom that do that. I suppose playing possum. I suppose possums. That's a phrase specifically built for that. Where they're just like, oh, maybe you can beat us. You should keep trying. And and we've just scored three touchdowns. So, uh, good night. An elephant never forgets to <laughs> lure their opponent into thinking they can win. <laughs> And 45-40, they sure did it. Sorry, Tigers. At least it was more interesting than a few of the years past. Yeah. Clemson was a little bit more of a valiant opponent than, I don't know, Oregon. That's that's absolutely true. Yeah. Speaking of valiant opponents, we were able to get some baseball Hall of Fame inductions. Ken Griffey Jr. setting a record with 99.3% of the vote. No player has ever gotten into the Hall of Fame with that high of a percentage. That percentage is higher than human beings like oxygen. There's just there's about 1.6% of people who are just like, nah, I could take it or leave it. They're called breathitarians, and it's absolutely true. I'm <laughs> pumped about it because now my Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card might be worth more than the case that I put it in when I was 12. I, I think it's just exciting to see two players, uh, both Ken Griffey Jr. and uh, Michael Pizza, um, made it into the Hall of Fame this year, um, which seems to be such a club that all of the current members, not the current members, but the, the gatekeepers are so 
hesitant to let people in that they're just like occasionally all right fine you can combine the rope which i'm totally fine with between the rule change that they made in 2014 allowing from a 15 to 10 year span Mm -hmm. to essentially keep out all the steroid era players which totally fine with yeah i mean mcguire have worked yeah mcguire didn't get in Mm -hmm. sammy Uh, sosa Sammy Sosa didn't get in. Uh, actually, these guys didn't do very well at all. Sosa had 7%. McGuire on his final year had 12.3. Uh, Bonds did a little bit better with 44, and Clemens got 45%. But on a personal note, I'm actually really sad that Alan Trammell didn't make it in. Growing up watching Tigers baseball a little bit, I would like to have seen Alan Trammell make it in. But And this was his last year, too, right? Yeah, it was. He can still make it into the minor league Hall of Fame, so hopefully he signs up for some Toledo Mud Hens baseball. (laughs) Go Hens! I've always been a biscuit kind of guy. Montgomery Biscuits. Their mascot is a biscuit with a pat of butter for a tongue. I mean, you can't get more down home than that. You absolutely cannot. Uh, I'm actually, I'm pretty pumped about Griffey. There's some controversy on whether or not he will be able to wear his hat backwards on his plaque in Cooperstown. Personally, I hope it is. I hope he's able to. I can't think of another way that I envision Ken Griffey Jr. than the backwards hat. I think it would be pretty backwards to not allow that to happen. (laughs) Big changes with the Brooklyn Nets recently. That's right, Joe. Russian billionaire slash Bond villain Mikhail Prokhorov uh, making some big changes, ousting the GM and coach. That's right. Lionel, my train has derailed Hollins, has been fired. And Billy, self-regicide king, has resigned as GM. The throne is empty. It, 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 well, they brought in a – their assistant GM is there, and they brought in Jerry Colangelo, head of USA Basketball, the week before I'm, to I'm, try and right a ship that is sinking right into the Celtics draft picks. <laughs> as a Celtics fan, I could not be happier. They're skimming for Simmons for us. We can try and keep winning, and they can just keep being the Nets. Uh, what did you get their first-round pick uh, for? Was it in the, the I think Garnett? it was a ham sandwich, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was The trade was Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Jason Terry, and then we ended up taking a bunch of their trash in the form of Gerald Wallace, ex-Kardashian Chris Humphreys, and then we got three first-round draft picks and the right to swap one of their draft picks. For for a couple of years, it seems like the Nets have been trying to go into win-now mode without the ability to win. They've just been taking on all of these short-sighted contracts, all of the, making all of these trades, sending away picks, bringing on uh, Joe Johnson. Oh, yeah, that was another garbage trade that they made. Darren Williams. Yeah, they're whether or not they want to, they're officially in tank mode, and it's a sea salt tank, and their buoyancy is not helping any. They're sinking straight to the bottom of the NBA, and I could not be happier about it. It's so funny. I mean, w- w- you look at the, the Sixers, not, not far down the road from them, who are purposefully doing this with a plan in place of, hey, we're just going to keep drafting high. The Nets don't even have their own picks to, to capitalize from this failure. It's sad, but it, I'm happy for you. I, I'm, thank you so much. I'm, I'm super pumped about it. New York is in a ton of trouble right now. And yay. It seems like they really need a safety net. Former Chicago hair Brian Furlacher was recently spotted on his new tour promoting his hair transplant, to which LeBron James replied, hair transplant? What, he doesn't have a big-ass headband? 
I think he should have had it the whole time, just add one more layer of protection, you know? Sure, maybe it could have kept that Will Smith movie from being made. <laughs> that just hit me. For some reason, at first I was thinking, Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was where my brain was. FanDuel and DraftKings were allowed to operate after a ruling in a New York State appellate court upheld their decision that they are games of skill and not, in fact, gambling. Apparently, the judge sided with the defense after they entered a draft code of nolo contendere. I mean, it obviously is a game of skill. One percent of the players keep buying entry after entry after entry. One percent of players paid 40 percent of the entry fees and received 91% of the profits. Financiers on Wall Street are looking at that going, damn, that's a good racket. (laughs) Big news in the NHL this past week as Alexander Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals scored his 500th goal, put his 501st on top of that, just icing on the cake. First Russian-born player to reach 500 goals. Russian President Vladimir Putin congratulated Ovechkin on the feat and says thank you for securing these 500 goals, and now Putin will distribute them amongst his countrymen to each his need. Wouldn't that icing on the cake have gotten him in the penalty box? All right, that's enough hockey for this week. We're going to get into it more next week when we have our three-on-three NHL All-Star Weekend preview. 30 seconds in the box. We'll be right back. Game on! Game on! He shoots, he scores! Oh. One for one! That is going wild! Score! Game on! Game on! Let's take a little more time on some of these bad boys and get some walk-ons into the game. Looks like it's time for walk-ons. Let's start with some NFL wildcard talk. Some really exciting matchups this weekend uh, between the wildcards. All four road teams won, which is the the first time that that's ever happened in the wildcard round. Which one do you want to start with? Let's go ahead and start with uh, the most exciting game, Chiefs and Texans. (laughs) Oh, real barn burner. (laughs) That one was close, right up until the coin toss. What uh, was the final 35 to nothing? 30? 30 to nothing. Excuse me. Those extra <laughs> five were <laughs> the they tossed a nickel, not a quarter. <laughs> Houston Texans starting quarterback Brian Hoyer really having a career game. Four interceptions, one fumble. I mean, truly, he was responsible for every single point Houston put on the scoreboard that day. Uh, When reached for comment after the game, he responded, I'm sorry, I didn't know I wasn't still playing for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, he really took that uh, Cleveland mentality down to Texas and really hit it home. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's echoed by the fact that his backup quarterback is Brandon Whedon, um, which I have to believe that after the four interceptions and the one fumble, Bill O'Brien looked at the bench, saw Brandon Whedon, and then slowly placed the revolver in his mouth. Screamed a slew of insidities and said, I should have never been on hard knocks. Right now, we're the hard knots. <laughs> Do you think Jadavian Clowney could have made that much of a difference in the game? Had he been there, would they have stood a chance at all? Sure, 26 nothing. Yeah, good point, good point. <laughs> Defense would have been a little bit more stringent, but uh, the offense still would have been as weak as my little sister. 
FYI, I don't have a little sister. Burn. Take that non-existent little sister. Speaking of defense, Chiefs defensive tackle Don Terry Poe returned Brian Hoyer's fumble for a touchdown. Don Terry Poe having a huge year. He was great in Star Wars. I think I'm just looking forward to seeing what he can do. I don't know. I think his rival Dabo Swinney is really going to have something to say about that. Dabo Swinney does sound like a Harry Potter character. I do just want to throw that out there. Uh, what would he be the teacher of? I think that they would let him teach a really unimportant subject and then just let him be the Quidditch coach, and that's what he's really earning the check for. Oh, for sure. He's like um, the the uh, professor for the uh, Wizarding 101. Yeah, he does the he does the intro class. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, intro he, to Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. He's on wand and hygiene maintenance. <laughs> You know, a lot of a lot of wizards uh, neglect the base of their wand. It's really important to keep that clean. Otherwise, the whole thing just goes goes to shit. And as Dabo would be quick to point out, godliness is next to cleanliness, y'all. <laughs> uh, Bengals Steelers, another huge game. Yeah, for a quarter. Marvin Lewis's Bengals fall in prime time yet again. Marvin Lewis is zero and seven in the playoffs. Made it seven times, never won one of them. His teams remind me of Kel Mitchell's character from Mystery Men, the Invisible Boy. <laughs> I know that they can do it, just not when anybody's watching. <laughs> the rare Mystery Men pull. I will look for every opportunity I can to bring in Mystery Men. And I don't blame you. Was a very violent game, lots of penalties. In fact, after the game, six people were arrested. Surprisingly, Burfecht wasn't one of them. They were all fans who were fighting and peeing on each other. Weird. Yeah. (laughs) Burfecht, yeah, was just suspended recently for the first three games of next season. So that'll be fun to not watch him play next year. I can't wait. It's overdue. I think the fact that he was only suspended three games, which they'll probably appeal and get down to maybe one, he committed the perfect crime. Two two interesting notes. Uh, two Steelers coaches um, getting very involved with the Bengals players. Hall of Famer Mike Munchak flagged for pulling the hair of Bengals safety Reggie Nelson. Uh, Steelers linebacker coach, former player Joey Porter gets into it with uh, Adam Jones. I mean, the last time that we saw this many coaches touching players was Penn State in the 90s. You burnt the entire state of Pennsylvania. You burnt. And you're going to stay burnt. Don't worry, we're not going to even call anybody about it. Speaking of gingers that shouldn't have done stuff, I thought it was odd that the Bengals were able to lose with Andy Dalton on the bench. It seems A.J. McCarron did his best Dalton impression that he could. He's the backup. He was prepared for the job, which is to do, which is to lose playoff games as a Bengal. I mean, that's the whole point of a backup. That way the the first-team offense can continue their game plan without missing a beat, and I think that they executed perfectly. They executed perfectly. Thank you. The Seattle Seahawks came to Minnesota to face off the Vikings in minus 25-degree wind chill, which set a record. 
That's right. In a score almost as low as the temperature, the Seahawks were able to defeat the Vikings in the home of the Golden Gophers in a final score of 10-9. to Hell of a game. Vikings had it. Uh, Last-minute field goal, Blair Walsh hooked it left. Holder, punter Jeff Locke, had the laces in, not out. You know that. Laces out, Dan. Laces out. Seemingly unrelated Vikings mascot Ragnar has recently gone missing, and no detectives seem to be willing to take up the case. That joke would be funnier if the real-life man who plays the mascot Ragnar didn't hold out all season asking for $20,000 a game. Well, there's a reason the Vikings are extinct. They're greedy and can't hold a football correctly. Sounds like Ragnar decided to leaf Erickson. <laughs> well, next time he's in town, he can Valhalla and see if someone can buy him a drink, because right now, Blair Walsh is screwed. And the Green Bay Packers traveled to the nation's capital to take on the Potatoes in what is a fantastic game that they ended up winning 35-18 to 18 over the Potatoes. Congrats, Packers. Potatoes opened it up 11-0 to start the game. Seemed like they were going to walk away with everything. Of course, the crowd started chanting, You like, you like that? that? You, you like, like that? that? But Aaron Rodgers turned into the two-time MVP that he is, orchestrated the comeback, and then just demolished the Potatoes. He mashed them. He boiled them. He stuck them in a stew. Made them look like small potatoes. Mm. You burnt. Burnt potatoes. I'd still eat them. Uh, after the game, when reached for comment, Aaron Rodgers, uh, referring to the momentum that they eventually built throughout the game, said, we became a snowball kind of going downhill. Eddie Lacy, unfortunately, unavailable for comment as he was too busy eating hostess snowballs. I don't know. Green Bay Packers and uh, Washington potatoes sounds delicious to me. All those cheesy potatoes. I did think it was odd that former offensive rookie of the year, former first round draft pick whom the potatoes traded three other first round draft picks for was not at the game at all and will likely be cut at the end of the season. RG3 did literally less than I did to help them. I watched the game. I think RG3 set in anger. I think that it's funny because RG3 really handled the season the best that he could. I think it became clear early on that this team did not have a, a plan or a place for him. But instead of being a distraction, instead of going to the media, what was me, trying to stir stuff up, decided to just keep his mouth shut, keep his head down, and I think that, yeah, he's going to have his pick of teams. And I, I think that there is going to be one or more teams out there who is going to take a flyer on him. Absolutely. I totally agree. He stands a decent chance. I mean, the Argonauts can get him for real cheap. I think that Vancouver's got a great shot as well. Either way, I think Robert Griffin stands a great chance at winning the Grey Cup in three years. I don't know, man. Seems like a pretty sweet potato. Come 
coming off a college football season in which we saw a lot of exciting things happen. We saw a lot of young men and ladies, a lot of student athletes doing their best to stay not getting paid in an industry that rakes in hundreds of millions of dollars a year. The Joe and I will be tackling now, should student athletes be getting paid? The Joe, in a word, should student athletes be getting paid? Yes. Hooli, in a word. Same question. Yes. Well, there we go. Case closed. Uh, no, this has been a, a hot topic issue for a long time. Not like a T-shirt you would find in the in the store in the mall, but uh, but a a constant conversation. And it's something that it seems like the NCAA, with their last dying breath, they will ensure that these young adults do not get paid for the physical effort that they put in for millions of Americans' entertainment. There's so much money being poured into this. And the fact that NCAA regulations keep these kids from doing things like, I don't know, getting jobs because they have such a strict student-athlete schedule that they have to commit everything to their classroom and then to their on and off the field, whichever it may be, on the court, off the court, that they are relegated to having such strict time constraints that they cannot have a job. So you're not only inhibiting them from taking money, but you're not allowing them to cash in on their own likeness. Your boy, Johnny Manziel, was recently allegedly selling autographs and got in some trouble for that, uh, which is a way that the students could get paid without having the universities having to lift a finger. There's also EA Sports, which Ed O'Banion famously tried to sue, mm-hmm. saying, you're using my likeness, you're using my name, why aren't I getting a piece of this? And now the people hurt the most are the people who enjoyed playing EA's NCAA games. That's super true. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's it's obvious that there there is bloat in this system. These coaches make millions of dollars. Uh, Dabo Swinney, who who is on the record saying that he would do something else if if there was a a serious conversation about his college football players getting paid, he makes three million dollars a year to yell at eighteen to twenty two year olds to come up with a game plan for how to make these kids run into other kids really fast. It's just insane that these guys are talking about doing something else. The president of Notre Dame recently said that he would secede from the NCAA and, I don't know, what, play against the CFL or play against the top high school teams in the country. I don't know what Notre Dame would do if they weren't in the NCAA, but he would pull all sports? Isn't Notre Dame already in a conference, maybe? Or not in a conference? Isn't Notre Dame already not in a conference? I mean, what do they want to do? Just create ways to be more quote-unquote elite? Seems like the most Notre Dame thing I've ever heard. Notre Dame is the state of Arizona of the NCAA. You know what? We don't like this. We're going to be our own thing. No, that's not how it works. No, it's not. And actually, there are some discussions in this. We're not alone on this. The Pac-12 announced a proposal that would allow athletes to make money off their names and their likeness, but there are a few odd provisions. They can make money off their name, provided that no one knows that they're a college athlete, and also that they 
that their monetary income had nothing to do with their athletic prowess. And I don't understand how any of that works. Uh, My dad used to say that student athlete was the biggest oxymoron he had ever heard. Uh, but all of that totally trumps <laughs> what that, like, what does that mean? You can make money as a, as a college athlete, but not by telling anyone that you're a college athlete. Unless there's like some type of glory hole marketing where you can put your talent through a hole and nobody knows who the hell you are. <laughs> I don't think that that's going to work. It's not going to work. It's a ridiculous proposal. And here's the thing. I don't know if the NCAA is afraid that like, the colleges will somehow have to pay for it, affecting a lot of the Title IX stuff, and obviously we don't want that to happen. We don't want these multi-million dollar programs that are funding most other sports to have to pay for it. But you have a long, long list of sponsors, any of the Tostitos, AT&T, Dr. Pepper. Meineke, Battle Frogs. Nike, Under Armour. Uncle Phil is chomping at the bit to pay for anything that he can at Oregon. Every kid who goes to Oregon knows that he's going to be rocking that swoosh on his foot or her foot and that they'll be able to have that instant in with Nike as soon as they graduate. Why not let Uncle Phil do what he's already doing and pay for the kid's stuff? I say find a loophole. Just have uh, all the really good, you know, uh, NCAA QBs, pull a Billy football, wear a wig, go to the halftime show of the other games, and throw a ball through the big Dr. Pepper can. Whatever it takes. $50,000. <laughs> as long as the universities don't have to pay for it, I don't understand what they're so butthurt about it. Let these kids in the offseason go and be able to hawk cars at a used car dealership, sign autographs, do whatever they want. If these coaches, some of them are working for public universities making millions of dollars a year, can go out and sign lucrative deals for shoes, for pads, to have everything sponsored by them, and go out and do speaking engagements. Have their own radio show. Do whatever they want. Let a kid who's 20 years old capitalize on the success that he's been able to build off his or her physical abilities. And there's no guarantee that they'll be able to continue to do that. Less than 2% of players go pro. So it's not like thinking, oh, you know, all these kids got to do is just wait a couple years, put in their dues, then they're going to get drafted and make this big deal. No, for, for a vast majority of these children of these young adults that will never become a reality they barely have time to study for class eat their meals visit their families some of their families are are, you know some of these kids are pulled from very low income areas they're worried about their families and they can't do anything to support them except play their hearts out and hope that uh, against all odds they will have the opportunity to secure one of those contracts when they get out, that they will stay healthy enough, that they will stay relevant enough, that they will remain talented enough, that the team around them will support them enough that they can showcase this ability, that they can have these chances to go out and succeed when we are taking away some of these prime opportunities You're absolutely correct, Joe. That's 100% on point. I used to be of the thinking that it's a student athlete and they're a student first or an athlete second, but they're people first and foremost and they should be able to do that. 
my thinking of putting student athlete first was, well, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to be part of it. Brendan Jennings famously played in Italy for a year before he entered the NBA draft. The CFL has no age restrictions, unlike the NFL does. And I used to say, well, if you're good enough to go pro, then go be pro in another country and then come back. But the reality is it's only hurting everyone by not paying these players. If you were able to give these players a little bit of cash, maybe some of them would actually, I don't know, stay for four years and get a college degree and be better prepared to go into the real world. And if they were able to do that, if they were better prepared as young men, if they're better prepared as young women with college degrees, with money already in their pocket, it's a success for everyone. And instead of having these BS degrees or these easy courses where they just inflate their grades over the summer or anything like that, build programs that are specifically geared for student athletes. The, the whole purpose of college in a nutshell is to help you prepare for the career that you want. If these kids want to become NBA stars, NFL stars, teach them classes about management, personal conduct, uh, uh, how to manage their finances, help set them up for success instead of saying like, oh yeah, well you need one math class, you need one foreign language. Also, don't forget you have um, your position coaches meeting at three in the afternoon and then you have weights from four to five. You can eat from 545 uh, to 6.15 and then, no, build this program around them. Help set them up for success. That's right. Don't just stick them into the cafeteria with cruddy pizza before they go take their wand hygiene and management class. I agree. It's just ridiculous. It's ludicrous that these kids aren't getting paid. It doesn't have to come out of the university's pocket. I'm not sure what the exact solution is. Obviously, you don't want to have uh, a free market system that would allow Alabama, USC to pay for the best football players, Duke to be able to pay for the best basketball players. But if someone's willing to pay these kids, these kids need to get paid. I agree. Without worrying about the math or the logistics, I'm going to propose a hippy-dippy communist-style payment plan where just every dollar that these kids make go into one giant pool, and then every Division One athlete gets the same share. That way, these kids don't have to choose of like going like, oh, you know, I would love to go to, to West Virginia. It's right down the road, and it's where my family went, but Ole Miss is willing to pay me like twice as much. Nah. You get the same piece of the pie no matter where you are, Yeah, you my can't, comrade. Exactly. You can't have any more than that. But I also feel that likeness and using your own abilities. I don't have a problem with a top-tier NCAA football player making more than I would have as a lacrosse player at Eastern Michigan University where even my mom wouldn't come to the game. <laughs> I vote we just take Dabo's salary, put it into the pot, and <laughs> play it all out. <laughs> yeah, $3 million split three ways amongst us. That's $4.9 billion <laughs> per person, according to Facebook <laughs> posts. Boy, this thing's a blowout, but let's sit down for some garbage time. 
let's tag on some garbage time. Donald Trump was recently quoted saying, NFL referees throw flags to impress their wives watching at home. It has become soft, and our country has become soft. What would Bernie Sanders say about football? You know, it's, it's too dangerous putting these uh, young men out there on the field, uh, young black men, under, uh, a lot of them coming from low-income areas. It's too dangerous. We're having them put their minds and their bodies at risk. Tell you what, let's just let's videotape Madden and uh, show that every Sunday. It's uh, safer. My wife will make uh, uh, popcorn. Uh, we can get some uh, tacos from down the street. It'll be great. Come on over. Uh, feel the burn. Really? Really? There are young black kids being shot dead in the streets. Women are making 76 cents on the dollar to every man. ATM fees are charging you for being four. Get out of here. I'm trying to run for president. You're asking me questions about football. Russia features five-on-five -five MMA fighting. What individual sport could be vastly improved by becoming a team sport? Speed chess. I want to see people fighting over what the best move to make is. Just five nerds in a row trying to move Rook pawn four to rook pawn two and hit that clock first. That's basically the real life version of uh, Twitch plays Pokemon. I'm going to go with arm wrestling. I just want to see a bunch <laughs> of beefy dudes just try to grab each other over a little table with two pegs. No one in this room is a professional athlete, but what sport did you come closest to being a professional in? As stated earlier, I was a collegiate athlete. I was actually an all-star in high school for lacrosse. So as soon as we get a professional lacrosse league, I think it's lacrosse. I think you are the closest thing to a real-life archer that I know. I remember in elementary school loving the game kickball and being devastated when I found out that there was no professional kickball league. I think I could have been a solid first baseman. Side note, I absolutely know that there's a professional lacrosse league. There's an indoor and outdoor. Um, I'd also like to say that I'm really good at walking through crowds of people, which makes me think that I could have been an NFL running back, assuming that the defense wasn't actively trying to tackle me and just standing there. I mean, it's not like I would have been playing the Cleveland Browns every week, but I think I could have done it. Is wearing wolf t-shirts and eating pizza a professional sport yet? I think you are the Abner Doubleday of that sport. Yeah, as soon as you write them rules down, Naismith, it's going to be. All right, boys, relocate the Rams, the Raiders, or the Chargers to L.A. Which team do you choose, and what's their new mascot? I'd have to go with the Rams because they already have the worst mascot, and once they move and go to L.A., they will become the L.A. Smog. Nothing will choke you like the Smog. Uh, I'm going to go with the Raiders just so they can get away from the ghost of Al Davis. Um, I think they really want to rebrand themselves to be true to the local market. I'm going to go uh, the L.A. Vegans. I'm going to, you know, take the last team and say they should move the Chargers because that's what everyone on Rodeo does. Charge it, baby. Hate New York City. It's cold and it's damp. And all the people dressed like monkeys Let's leave Chicago to the Eskimos That town a little bit too rugged For you and me, bad girl Straight out of Compton Crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube From the gang 
that's going to be it for this week's episode of Sports Retorts with Hooli and the Joe. I have been the Joe. I'm Hooli. I have been Mary Beth Smith, your producer, announcer. I'll find out what my role is here at some point along the line. Spiritual guide. I'll take that. Next week, we'll hop into the NHL All-Star Game and break, and obviously cover the next round of the NFL playoffs, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of other topics to fill with retorts. Uh, if you have any thoughts, questions, feedback, feel free to share it with us at sportsretorts at gmail.com. Also, feel free to like us on Facebook, share our podcast. Um, you can find it on the Nerdalogs website, nerdalogs.com. We hope to be up and running on iTunes soon. Uh, and then eventually we're going to implant chips in your head while you sleep and stream it directly to your uh, cerebral cortex. Sweet dreams. We'll see you there. Bye. And once they move, they're going to be the L.A. smog. Nothing will grip you like this.